0: you mm-hmm. In today's gathering, we're going to pull liturgical elements from the Book of Common Prayer. We're going to start with a collect. Let us pray Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made and forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our weakness, may obtain of you the God of all mercy perfect remission and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Have mercy on me. to your great compassion, blood out my transgressions, have mercy on Restore in me the joy of your salvation Would you create in me a clean heart, oh God Restore in me the joy of my salvation The sacrifices of our God broken in a contrite heart against you and you alone have I sinned the sacrifices of our God are broken in a contrite heart against you and you alone have I sinned you create
1: Hey, good evening, I'm Jason, Uh, this marks the the beginning of Lent for us, not just us here in this room, but us followers of Jesus all over the world. And so we're here tonight uh, to give witness to what this season means for us, and if you'd like, uh, to let our bodies even be marked with a sign of that meaning in this season. I know that some in this community have a lot of experience with things like Lent and Ash Wednesday, and for others, these are very foreign experiences, and so we always wanna make sure that we we build a bridge with one another into what these days mean. Um, Lent, at one level, uh, the word Lent actually just comes from the fact that it has traditionally happened during the spring season, and in the Northern Hemisphere, that's when the days get longer, so the word Lent actually literally just means lengthen in Old English, Uh, but the reason it happens now is uh, it's on our way to easter and easter lands where it lands because of the lunar calendar and jewish practice which is of course how we understand when it was that jesus gave his life and was resurrected now um not long after the church was birthed into the world after jesus's resurrection it became the practice of followers of jesus to baptize new converts on easter it was a high holy day of celebration not just that jesus had given his life for us and been resurrected but that we are invited to die and be resurrected with him and be a part of the new world that's being birthed through him. And so in preparation for that high holy day of Easter, when new converts would be baptized, they would spend a season of preparation leading into it. Now, the other thing the church said early on was, well, we should make sure that Easter and the baptisms that happen on Easter aren't just for these new converts, but all of us who have said yes to following Jesus and walking with one another and with God— We should use that moment as a chance to renew our commitment to these promises that we've made, that we're gonna follow Jesus together, that we're gonna live for the world that he is building rather than the world that is dying, that we're gonna keep growing up in this way of life together. And so then it makes sense that not only are the new converts getting prepared, but the rest of us jump in on it too. And we spend this season uh, making our way toward Holy Week and Easter. And so after many centuries of history, we find ourselves with this tradition of Ash Wednesday and Lent. Um, those new converts on Easter who would find themselves in the baptismal waters and saying yes to their life with God, with Christ, and with one another. Of course, like for 2,000 years, one thing they've been saying is that we're trusting Jesus to lead us out of sin and into life. Now, I know sin is a complicated word in the modern world, and God knows SBCC people have their fair share of baggage. Amen? Um, I remember a few years ago, I preached a sermon, and it used the word sin in a fairly central way, and I actually had dinner later that night with a few people who had been at the gathering. And I, you know, I like going out for food with friends after church, and so I did not prepare myself for what I was walking into at dinner, where somebody at the table was going to be shaking and in tears, um, kind of raging at me uh, about you know, the fact that we would talk about sin. And like, I, I, By the way, I totally get it, because I think there was a really, really painful story behind that for that person. But I, I knew enough about her politics to say, like, well, let me ask you this. Like, and I named some things happening in current events, and I just said, like, what, what word do you have for that? The great evil that you and I agree is being demonstrated in some of these things that are happening in the world right now. Like, what word do you have for that? And then I asked her, like, and, and what word do you have for the kind of person who looks at that and says, I'm immune from that? Because if we just reason with one another for a moment, I think we recognize that one thing that's really important for us as a people in the world is to be able to call something wrong when it's wrong, broken when it's broken, dark when it's dark, even evil when it's evil. Right? It's important for us to be able to do that because if not, we just keep playing along as if everything's fine and not everything is fine. And I think we also realize it's important to recognize that whatever capacity or proclivity or tendency that we see in somebody else to participate in that darkness and to break things in the world, we carry some of that around in us too, right? Um, so I know these ideas have been used in shaming and harmful ways, and that's not what we were here to do tonight. We're not really here to beat ourselves up for being human. We're actually here to embrace the fact that we are human and to stop denying it. We're here to settle down into the fact that we are creatures and to say that we trust that god can actually like bring light and love through that reality rather than the days that we deny the fact that we are creatures we're just here to um, have an exercise in telling the truth about ourselves and our world and to trust that in telling the truth god will meet us and sustain us and that we will open our hearts to the grace of god to lead us forward uh, into holy week and easter you know not long from now it'll be good friday and we'll gather here and we will honor and remember the death of Christ and in that moment we will celebrate the love of God revealed that when God came in flesh and blood and all of our sin worked itself against him all of our worst features all the capacity that we have for betrayal and injustice for unfaithfulness and abandonment all those things would bring themselves to bear against Jesus. And rather than wreak vengeance against the people who did that, he simply says, Father, forgive them. This is the love of God that we will celebrate on Good Friday. And then on Easter, we will celebrate the fact that nothing about what you and I do to break things is more powerful than God's capacity to heal things. We will celebrate the fact that there is something better and more enduring in the work, at work in the world than our sin. So we have good news coming around the corner and today begins the journey toward all of those good days. But we enter that journey by just telling some basic truths about ourselves. And if you'd like, welcoming ashes on our forehead as a sign of some of the things that we will say today. Those converts at Easter who said that they are following Jesus and leaving behind their sin. They're saying also that, that we believe something peculiar about the Christian story about how it is that we leave behind sin and walk in new life. It's not denial, like denying the fact that there are ways that we break things down in the world. Like denial doesn't get us anywhere, right? That just seems really obvious in the world. And like, I don't know if you feel that in your own life, but surely you've lived in a family system where denial is working and it's not working, right? Or maybe you're in a community or a corporation where you just see a lot of denial at work. People just don't want to tell the truth about things and it's not making anything better. Or maybe you just see the world at large that often we want to put our heads in the sand rather than tell the truth about everything happening. Denial is not going to get us there. Uh, Shame is not going to get us there. Uh, Shame in fact seems to be part of what is wrong with the world in the first place rather than what is right. You know that story of Adam and Eve uh, in the garden where they eat the fruit and we could spend a lot of time reflecting on what that story might or might not mean, but they eat the fruit. And this is at minimum, a loss of innocence in that story. Others call it original sin, but in that story, what happens naked, they find themselves ashamed. And from that shame, the whole story spirals out into broken relationships and broken systems and broken outcomes. So shame's not going to get us there. So let's just agree that however it is that we make our, our way from today to good Friday and Easter, shame isn't part of the path. However it is that we invite God to help us leave sin behind. Shame's not there. Is it condemnation or fear? Now I'm just reading the New Testament. The pages of the New Testament are electrified with celebrations of the fact that in Christ there is no condemnation. That perfect love casts out fear. That fear does not grow us up or set us right. There's another move that Christian theology has made for 2,000 years. And it, it maybe it's surprising. But if we are people who want to walk with God out of the world that is dead and sin and into the new world that is good and alive, if we want to walk with God into that world, paradoxically, surprisingly, the way that we do that is simply by embracing our mortality. By simply remembering that which we run from in so many ways, that we are dust and to dust we shall return. There's even a moment in the New Testament in the book of 2 Corinthians where Paul writes and says, we always carry about in our body death. Now, of course, um, this means not just the actual death that waits for us whenever our days of breathing on planet Earth are done, but the awareness of that mortality that's always with us. Uh, There's an interesting thinker named Ernest Becker who wrote a book called The Denial of Death, and he makes the case that so much of what is just messed up is simply the fact that we run from our feeling of death rather than embracing it. We try to be machines rather than humans. We try to be angels rather than humans. We try to be immortal rather than mortal. And paradoxically, in trying to save ourselves, we create the very conditions we need saving from. Take something as simple as greed, the kind of hoarding energies that so many of us bring to the world and in our individual relationships, the way we spend our money, the way we build empires. Think about what greed is and what it does. Is greed nothing more than trying to save ourselves? To vacuum up out of the world the things that we think can sustain us as if somehow if we could just have enough we would be immortal we wouldn't come into our limits we wouldn't come into our end but if we would just admit no we are mortal there will be an end to us we're limited we are creatures we are finite maybe something like greed goes to die a little bit now the good news for people who are learning to embrace our mortality learning to embrace the small deaths that lead us into the death that awaits all of us. The good news for us is we don't have to walk into our mortality alone. Jesus has already been in the grave. He's a reliable guide for this journey. The most terrifying moments of letting go and laying things down and putting the ego to death, the most terrifying moments of dying in our lives that we stand at the cusp of wondering if we can find the bravery to walk into. Perhaps those are the moments where Jesus meets us most clearly and convincingly and says, I've already been in that grave. Trust me. If you go in there, you will come out. And so maybe we find that Jesus is willing to actually walk with us into the mortality that we claim and that we're going to wear today with our ashes. We're gonna spend Lent talking about this. Um, For those who've been following along with our our journey through the year as a church, uh, we started back in the fall with the Apostles' Creed, this uh, story that we trusted, that we are learning to trust about God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we made it all the way to conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary at Advent, and we spent all of Advent with those lines. And then we paused and we talked about other things for the last few weeks. And then, uh, this coming Sunday, Lent, uh, as we walk toward Holy Week and Easter, we'll kind of pick up the lines where we left off and we'll talk about Jesus who suffered under Pontius Pilate and who was crucified and died and buried. And then after we hear those teachings from the creed, we'll be inspired, I think, by a story from some of our own people about letting things go and laying things down and the hard work sometimes of trusting God with the things that are dying. And then we'll have a Sunday that allows all of us to do some of our own work, thinking and praying and listening to the spirit about what it is that needs to be let go of in our lives, what it is that needs to die in our lives this Lenten season. And then we'll turn to the peculiar line in the creed, which depending on which tradition you're a part of, either says he descended to the dead or he descended to hell, strange, beautiful words. And we're gonna spend a couple of weeks on those. And then we will find ourselves at Good Friday and Easter. But between now and then, it's not just Sundays, it's every minute, every day. And I hope that what happens tonight will help us begin to mark time, to lay things down, to embrace our mortality, and to trust that Jesus is able to walk with us into those graves that await us every day and lead us out in our own resurrection. Um, Like I said, I know for some, this is a very familiar exercise. For others, it's foreign and strange. I know I'm the kind of person who can have a lot of thoughts about faith, And I realize the longer I go, I need experiences, I need things that I can can taste and touch, and smell and feel. I need rituals, I need practices, I need the work of another person who perhaps is gonna place their thumb on my forehead tonight and and put a cross. And so uh, if this feels beautiful to you, great. If it feels strange to you, even better. (laughs) Because a lot of what feels normal just isn't really working, right? (laughs) So if normal isn't working, let's go weird. And the church at its best has always been a little bit weird in the world. And this is a strange practice for us, uh, but we embrace it uh, simply as a way of learning to trust this st- uh, story. Um, Lent does not invite you to be ashamed of being human. Lent invites you to settle down into being human and to trust that God is quite capable of raising us up into new life if we would simply admit that some things are already dead. Right. Um, so here's what's going to happen this is really the, the center of our practice tonight, uh, this isn't really a sermon it's just a setup for the main event um, in a moment I'll invite you if you're able to stand to your feet and we'll read a, a litany from the Book of Common Prayer it's a confession litany that many of our fellow Christian family members around the world will be praying today as well um, there are words in it of repentance and and um, if those are hard for you, I totally understand that, especially because so often, the language of repentance has been used to control. It's been accompanied with fear and shame and bad preaching. Um, but today, I hope what you hear and this is an invitation to return to what is true of us, that we are human, that there are things that are dead in us, and that naming what is dead is how they become alive. So we'll read the litany together and then when the litany is done, you'll be able to take a seat and then um, Zach and Karen are gonna join me up here and you'll see us uh, impose ashes on one another's forehead as we say to one another, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. And then once uh, Zach and Karen and I have placed ashes on one another's foreheads, the three of us are gonna head to the same corners where often the Eucharist is served. And then once we're in place, uh, you're welcome if you'd like to get up out of your seat and go to one of the corners where you'll receive a cross of ash on your forehead. Uh, When you're done going through the line, you can return to your seat. If there's any here who uh, would like to receive ashes, but you're not able to get up out of your seat to come and receive, when the lines are done, simply raise your hand and we'll take a look around and make sure that we're not missing anyone and we'll come to you uh, to place ashes on your forehead. And then when we're done with that, uh, we'll sing it just a little bit more. And that'll be the way that we cross the threshold into the time that we mark as holy that we call Lent. So if you're able, will you stand to your feet and together we'll offer this litany of confession, most holy and merciful father, we confess to you and to one another and to the whole communion of saints in heaven and on earth that we have sinned by our own fault in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. Have mercy on us, Lord. We have not heard your call to serve as Christ served us We have not been true to the mind of Christ. We have grieved your Holy Spirit. Have mercy on us, Lord. We confess to you, Lord, all our past humanness, the pride, hypocrisy, and impatience of our lives, our self-indulgent appetites and ways, and our exploitation of other people. We confess to you, Lord, Our anger at our own frustration, and our envy of those more fortunate than ourselves, we confess to you, Lord. Our intemperate love of worldly goods and comforts, and our dishonesty in daily life and work, we confess to you, Lord. Accept our repentance, Lord, for the wrongs we have done, for our blindness to human need and suffering, and our indifference to injustice and cruelty. Accept our repentance, Lord. For all false judgments, for uncharitable thoughts toward our neighbors, and for our prejudice and contempt toward those who differ from us, Accept our repentance, Lord. For our waste and pollution of your creation and our lack of concern for those who come after us, accept our repentance, Lord. Restore us, good Lord, and let your anger depart from us. Favorably hear us, for your mercy is great. Accomplish in us the work of your salvation, that we may show forth your glory in the world. By the cross and passion of your Son, our Lord, bring with us all your saints to the joy of his resurrection. Amen. You can be seated. I'll invite Zach and Karen here to join me. And as they do, I'll pray over these ashes. Loving God, you've created us out of the dust of the earth. Grant that these ashes may be for us a sign of our mortality and penitence, that we may remember it. It is only by your gracious gift that we are given everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Karen, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Zach, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return.
0: Jay, remember that you are dust, and dust you shall
1: return. We'll take our place, and then when we're ready, you're welcome to come out of your seat and join us.
0: From dust we've come, and dust we. So
1: into Lent, toward Holy Week and Easter. May you remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But may you remember that dust which was breathed into by spirit and made human, we call Adam. May you remember that spirit that raised Jesus from the grave. And may we trust that we too will be raised up. And may grace and peace be with you. Amen. Love you all. See you soon.